Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. Monday night game last night turned out to be uh, a dandy. 34-31, the Bengals won it. They uh, moved to 6-6 six and six in Jacksonville, uh, dropped to 8-4. and four. Jacksonville had a chance to uh, take over the lead in the AFC for home field advantage. So you think about mm. kind of where they were a couple of years ago with Urban Meyer and a dumpster fire and Trevor Lawrence and all that kind of stuff. Doug Peterson um, has uh, has that team kind of rolling. And, of course, he you know coached the Philadelphia Eagles to – a Super Bowl uh, championship, and then uh, after a couple of years, like like everybody does, they he lost his voice, not figuratively, but literally, and uh, and they dismissed him, and he sat out a year, then uh, took over Jacksonville. I think he had the opposite, figuratively, not literally. Figuratively, yeah, not literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. figuratively, he lost his voice, not literally. Right, you're right. Uh, Trevor Lawrence went 22 of 29, 258, but he left that game hurt. And um, I don't know the the nature, total nature. I think it was an, an ankle injury, but I don't know if, what the long-term effect for him is going to be. Uh, but C.J. Beathard uh, came on in relief, and uh, he has he has NFL pedigree uh, in his uh, in his history uh, with his um, grandfather, um, who was Bobby Beathard, and. I believe it was a great uncle for him, a guy by the name of Pete Beathard, who played back in the AFL days. He was quarterback. Uh, but C.J. Beathard, uh, uh, who's, he's kind of bounced around, uh, but he came in and was 9 to 10, 63 yards, uh, but couldn't, uh, couldn't overcome the fact that uh, the Bengals' field goal kicker um, kicked them to a victory last night, 34-31. Bengals went with their white helmets and all-white uniforms on the road uh, last night in Jacksonville. Good and look, I like it. It it, it is it's a, it is a different look. There's there's no question about it. Um, and and like you said, I, I kind of as I was watching that game, I was like, oh, okay, I I think I can get behind this. Um, and uh, it would like it was just different from seeing them with their orange and black. You know, the, it was a white helmet with black stripes. Mm-hmm. It was like a white tiger, which is rare. You got to go to Vegas to see the white tigers. At least you used to. Most two guys. None in the wild. Well, I'm sure there's some in the wild, but you'd mm-hmm. have to you'd have to get in the wild to to get to them. But uh, the Bengals come back uh, to win it. They were down uh, 28-21 heading into the fourth. They get a they get a uh, touchdown to tie it, a field goal to take the lead, and then Jacksonville hits a 40 yard field goal with less than a minute to play, about 26 seconds, and then uh, the Bengals get a 48 yard field goal. Uh, in the overtime with 145 remaining. So obviously both teams had had possession and went at 34 to 31. So that's, uh, that's the end of, uh, end of the week for uh, football. And it all gets underway pretty quickly on uh, Thursday night with the Steelers and the New England Patriots. Crazy to think, uh, and I heard discussion of this this weekend on, on a Double T 97.3 from one of the hosts, um, that – People are starting to actually feel sorry for the New England Patriots because of how badly they're they find themselves. 
and I, I don't know that I'm necessarily one of them. I there's a part of me that wishes that um, Bill Belichick would be able to go out on his own accord because I think he's earned that, you know, with the number of Super Bowls he's won and what he's done for that franchise. But he has extended his existence to the point where he may be no longer existing with them. They're two and ten. Yeah, I'm not feeling bad for. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I, I, like I said, yeah. started kind of, but not really. Two and ten is where the uh, where the Patriots find themselves, and so the, there's there's all kinds of speculation um, that he might go somewhere else and take over as a football and GM of another organization mm-hmm. if the uh, Patriots let him go. Uh, Bullfighter writes then this uh, with regard to Trevor Lawrence sprained his ankle, scheduled to undergo additional testing. Um, and then they'll determine today the extent of the injury and how much time uh, that he'll miss. Uh, Jaguar coach said, I don't have any information on Trevor. We're still evaluating him. Uh, by the way, speaking of Doug Peterson, his son, who has been a bounce-around player for several teams, including the USFL, he's a tight end, was elevated from the practice squad uh, last night. And they became the first father-son to be active um, in a game since the 70s. Uh, back in uh, 1976, John McKay, I believe it was 76, John McKay, who was a great coach for USC and led him to a national championship. Um, this is when um, his son, J.K. McKay, was a receiver on that team. Um, and uh, they were together in Tampa Bay. Uh, John McKay was one of the, one of those other coaches that terrific in college, but horrible in the National Football League. Not uh, the first, probably won't not, be the last. No, no, it just, it, it just, it just didn't, uh, it just didn't convert for him. Um, but at any rate, that, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, last night, just seeing that guy's son on the, on the sideline and, and thinking about, okay, the, the pressure that must've been on him and, and the dad, and I mean, I think you probably got to be really good, right? If you're the son of the coach in the National Football League, you've probably got to be really good to be able to get on the team because people are going to be scrutinizing you pretty heavily. Yeah, maybe. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what I would. That's what I would think anyway. So, uh, six twenty-one this morning. Just a little bit of trivial trivia for you if you're looking for just a little bit of a conversation starter for uh, weekend parties, which will be coming up here in the next couple of days. Sometimes they start earlier at this time of year, the weekend parties. Yeah, hopefully they're in the middle of the week, right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Especially during the day, so you can just relax after that. Sure. I mean, that does happen. That 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 does happen. You know, some mm. parties during the during the day that mm. kind of take you out. It, well, I mean, you got to get out there and, and mix and mingle and co-mingle. Yeah. Not for this company, though. Not doing that. <laughs> no, we're having a nighttime party. I think that's really I think that's really cool. Good. I know. I feel like I feel like this is I feel like I'm, I'm being I'm not being hailed, I'm being blamed for this. Cuz I I've, I've really pushed for this over the years. <laughs> and you really go for being hailed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd rather be sure we all would rather be hailed for something than blamed for something, right? I mean, that's just that's just human nature, isn't it? I mean, we'd rather Somebody, hey, give you a pat on the back as opposed to, um, you know, um, oh God, I can't believe we have to do this. Is you know, Heinz is you know, making us do this, <laughs> but that seems to be the seems to be the mantra. 
Um, good news for a former Texas Tech quarterback, Jamie. Okay. Uh, Seth Deggy, who has been, uh, he has had a number of different jobs, which is kind of what you have to do as you're kind of moving up the ranks. He is going to be the new offensive coordinator at Marshall. Cool. So he will leave his position as uh, the tight ends coach. And uh, according to footballscoop.com, is going to be the offensive coordinator at Marshall. He uh, has been at Bowling Green. He has been at USC. He has been at Ole Miss. I think he did some uh, graduate uh, GA work here um, at Texas Tech, obviously. And uh, now his is going to be the offensive coordinator at Marshall. There was a time where he left coaching briefly, and I think he was getting in like to the insurance business, and then I think he said to himself, you know what, I want to be a coach. And so he's gone to be a coach and now is is making a name for himself and hopefully has some uh, success there for the thundering herd. Their uh, offense wasn't quite so thundering this year. That's the well, need for a new OC. Yeah, I guess so. So maybe he can... Maybe he can light a, light a match under him mm-hmm. and see if he can fire him up. Give him a little Red Raider knowledge there. Wish him the best of luck. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Handshakes, ketchup, hoops, balls, and strikes must be the Morning Drive on Double T 97.3. Hey, good morning. It is uh, 6.32 this morning here on the Morning Drive. Big 12 basketball tonight. There's two Big East, Big 12 battles that are left. Uh, number 19, Oklahoma, at 7-0, and plays host to Providence. They're 7-1. and uh, Kansas State plays host to Villanova, Battle of Cats tonight. Cats. Kansas State 6-2, and Villanova 6-3. Villanova is actually favored in this game by, by two and a half points. Uh, number two, Kansas, plays host to Kansas City. They used to be called UMKC. They're the Kangaroos. Joe Esposito, who was assistant coach here at Texas Tech, is an assistant on that uh, Kansas City staff. Uh, Baylor at 8-0 and and ranked 6th. They'll take on Seton Hall in a Big East Big 12 battle. So there's actually three of them uh, tonight. They have yet to open their new arena. I think that's supposed to be for the start of Big 12 play. Okay. So they're still playing in the Ferrell Center. Uh, the, uh, the new arena is across the highway, kind of over there by the... Everything's... Everything's by the river now. They got the, you know, the football stadium and the, their nice tennis complex, and now the basketball arena. The multi, it's going to be a multi-purpose, I think, of event center. They'll have concerts there and stuff like that. Uh, number fourteen BYU is in action against Evansville. They're seven and zero. BYU is favored by twenty-four and a half tonight. <clears throat> and then Oklahoma State plays at Southern Illinois. Oklahoma State is three and four on the season. I'm really curious to see. Uh, what BYU is going to be like in the Big 12? Basketball-wise? Yeah. Yeah, they've had a great basketball program, but it just doesn't feel like right now they're there. It's mm-hmm. very similar to what I felt about them football-wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This right now is not, not their peak. Sure. Sure, but I mean, they're, they're ranked. They're ranked 14th, so is that... Are they... Yeah. Is that... I mean, somebody must think they're pretty good. No, no, I, I agree. I yeah. agree. I, I mean, I, I think it's a good program. I think it's... I don't disagree with that. I think we've seen them be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, obviously, they're they're better than most or many in the Big 12. Okay? So, I, I'm not trying to trying to take anything away from them, but I, I just... 
I, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for them in Big 12 play, just like everybody else. And yes. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, 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 you know, amongst the new teams, you know, are they going to be the are they going to be the best? Uh, Cincinnati is also seven and zero. Houston, you would say, would be the yeah would, be, would the be the best. best. They would be the best. I mean, they're ranked third in the country right now, um, and and obviously they have it they have it rolling. Uh, and UCF <clears throat> is five and two on the season. Uh, and look, I, I'm not going to tell you that I can break down all these rosters or anything like that. I'm just I'm just curious once we get into Big Twelve play, mm-hmm. how the shakeout is is going to occur. And that's what makes kind of fun what we've got going on not only this year but then we're going to have it again next year as you're just seeing new teams and new programs mm-hmm. and figuring out how good they are and how good they're not all the all the above yeah because i mean if you look at if you look at historically um on the men's side byu has been a tournament team they've had great players come through um same thing with cincinnati um they've had great players come through um and they've had players, uh, and they've been to Final Fours, you know, and things like that. It's been quite some time, but they, they have a, a history of that. And, um, and then the same thing with Houston, obviously. Um, they've had, you know, great teams in the, in the past. And, uh, you know, even the most recent past with their, with their current coach of going to a Final Four. So, and poised like they could get to another one this year. Mm-hmm. But I'm re- going to be really interested to see when they have to be in the fight every single night uh, in the Big 12, how does that translate for them? Because previously, they've not had to be in the fight every single game. Yeah, yeah, not not an easy task right. to so navigate the, through all of that. The wear and tear and how that how that works for them through the through the season. And then UCF, um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they were at the bottom of the Big 12, just because that's a that's a big transition for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's a big, big, big transition for them. So uh, we'll see as we get towards the end of the year here. And then uh, Big 12 play on the men's side will start uh, right after the first of the year. On the women's side, the Lady Raiders play at Houston on December 30th. Uh, so that's a, that's a Saturday afternoon game. So that's, that will get them uh, started in, in the Big 12 right before uh, the start of the new year. We're in that uh, portal period uh, right now. And then we're also right now in the period of players deciding if they're going to play or not going to play. Uh, one who's not going to play. And I guess it makes sense for him, but I hate it. I hate that this is what we've come down to. But I I understand it because if he gets hurt, there's no protection for him. But the former Heisman Trophy winner, in fact, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams uh, from USC, is not going to play in the Holiday Bowl against Louisville on December the 27th. And so, no surprise, right? No surprise. He he has yet to declare for the draft, but it doesn't seem likely that he would return, uh, especially if he's going to skip the bowl game. And what what does he have left to prove um, with another school? He's right now a prohibitive favorite, according to this article, to be in the top three of the twenty twenty four NFL draft. And we're talking here in the top three. I mean, that's a multi million dollar contract. I mean, there's not an NIL deal out there that's going to, you know. Sure. Go, <laughs> am I sure? No, I'm not sure of anything right now. <laughs> in a rookie deal, he's not going to get paid that much. No, but I mean, you would think it's more than an yeah. NIL deal, right? I don't know. What those guys, I mean, they sign like three or four year deals for $12 million or something like that on their rookie deals. 
I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know what the know rookie deal is. I, yeah. I would tell you. It's, it's after that first one where they really sure, get paid. Sure, that's where the cash in is. Right, yeah. right. But even even the even the rookie deal is, especially for the a top five draft pick, is going to be really really good. Sure. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really really good. But I and life changing money. <clears throat> yeah. So he's he's out, and of course the, we're in this portal period right now, and and uh, I I would just be. And I'm sure somebody's done the research on this. I have not. Um, I would just be interested to see how many of these kids that go into the portal don't come out of the portal and find themselves high and dry. That think they're yeah. Gonna, I know. I know that happens to some. Yeah. That that, mm-hmm. that feel like, well, I'm not getting a good enough. Let's just use Texas Tech. Hey, I'm I'm just playing special teams. I'm going to go on the portal, and then you go on the portal and you go, oh, nobody nobody wants me more than where I was. But you can't go back. You could, but generally speaking, it's a one-way street uh, going into the portal uh, from your previous place. And the only way out is to go somewhere else. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T 97.3 is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Jamie Lint and Jeff McGuire and Chuck Hines. We'll have uh, hoops on the air for you tonight. Lady Raiders in Sam Houston State at 530 on 100.7 The Score and 107.7 Yes FM, tip at 6. And 6.15 tonight on 93.1 Texas FM, the Liberty Girls take on Lubbock Christian and then the boys game to follow. Okay, Tomorrow, Red Raider basketball, they take on Omaha. And uh, we'll have that game for you, the broadcast at 6, the tip at 7 here on Double T 97.3. Uh, Grant McCaslin is the head coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and he... Uh, talked the other day about what his team and what he and they are looking for on offense. Honestly, I think it's about what the defense is, honestly. And, and you know, you, you got to find ways to leverage the defense. I'll tell you this, with this group, the the push and transition has to be consistent for us because we need to create those opportunities. And I think where we find our biggest strength is when we're able to create leverage on the rim before we shoot three. So really it's just continuing to grow in that area where there's a there's a an efficiency in our head like this isn't going to be the best shot so how do we try to create a better one and really I don't know if it's about twos or threes because sometimes I think we need to shoot more threes in games as long as it gets inside first and instead of throwing up bad twos that was the balance the other day I mean, we finally got into the paint did have some good looks but we were going away from the rim on a few of them it's like hey that's not even the right one you know it's like let's put all of it together and so I, I think really it's just about taking what the defense gives and not settling for early threes the settling the you know inside out of the game um and that's just so many times you see it seems like in a college game where you're you're kind of into a rhythm and then somebody goes down and feels like okay chance for me to be a hero and throws up a three and it just kind of throws everything off yeah exactly the kind of what coach mccaslin's staying there he still wants threes it's a mm-hmm. big part of the game it's just a, how do you get them you yeah. know and uh, are they you know, quick drive down the court and and pull up two steps behind the arc, or is that where you get a paint touch and move the ball around and pass to an open shooter? That's a completely different deal. Yeah, we're kind of in a wonky part of the season here because you you haven't played since last Thursday. You're going to play tonight or tomorrow night, and then you're going to be idle until the 12th because of finals. But uh, the next game might be your toughest home game of of the season in which you'll play Oral Roberts, but 
I don't know how tough it's actually going to be because it's not the Oral Roberts of maybe what you saw a couple of years ago or three years ago when they were a tournament team. Uh, one of the guys that has really kind of turned it up for uh, the Red Raiders from an offensive standpoint is Joe Toussaint. He has uh, three double-doubles uh, this season, and um, he's uh, he's a guy that's really, uh, I thought, led the charge uh, so far. And here's uh, Coach McCaslin on Tucson. Joe's learning when he first started, it was like, hey, how do I assert myself to score and not necessarily what does the team need on an offensive possession. Now he's trying to find that balance. And to be honest, early we missed a bunch of threes, and I think he would average over eight assists through those first few games, but we missed quite a few open looks. So uh, to his credit, he stayed the course, but I think what he's learned to do is utilize those forwards in a playmaking role, and that's what I loved about the last game, two possessions. One, he, he, he actually cut early and opened up a gap instead of going and trying to hunt the ball, which opened up an opportunity for somebody else. So that shows me he's starting to see how it all fits together. And then another one was, you know, he had 12 assists, but he, he, he kept making the right play. And then he was stopping in those scoring areas and looking off maybe option one, not seeing option two and going option three, which to me really shows that he's starting to see all of it and how all these guys' strengths fit and give him a lot of credit. He's really wanting to learn and his facilitating hadn't just been about him scoring first it's been a I need to attack to see what the best option is he's learning those options quickly I said third he he had the third Red Raider double-double not him having three so I misspoke on that uh, Tucson had 18 and then 12 assists <clears throat> the other night so it's it's about going from the good shot to get a greater shot a, a great a, going from good to great as opposed to just settling for something that Hey, I think I'm going to be okay here, but maybe finding somebody else that is more open or has a better better shot, whether it's a two or a three. Right. So that's uh, that's good. So you know, for I, uh, I, I think Tucson's at his best when he's going to the basket. I don't think I'm breaking any news here. I, I would like to see him take less threes. I, mm-hmm. I think you have better three point shooters on the team. I think he's solid. I don't think he's terrible by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he's at his best when he's going to the basket. Yeah, so um, I'll be curious to see, you know, what Chance McMillan does. You know, what's his what his next game is like. He had not that you're going to duplicate what he did, you know, against Butler um, with the with the eight threes. But how does that how does that help his confidence? You know, moving forward, you know, and or the confidence in his teammates to to get him the ball and look for him on the court. Yeah, I don't think there's any struggle with the confidence of his teammates getting him the ball. <clears throat> He's clearly confident taking the shot, but what I would love to see is now him in this next game not settling, right? Mm-hmm. And not just, hey, I made eight, so I'm going to make eight every time. I'm just going to take every three. I'd like to see him tacking the tacking the rim and see if he can be a guy that can really put pressure on the defense both at the rim and behind the arc. Yeah, so again, we'll have uh, Tech in Omaha tomorrow. Tip time is 7 o'clock. Our broadcast time is 6 p.m., on uh, Double T 97.3. Then the Red Raiders will play Oral Roberts, and then they take on Vanderbilt uh, in Fort Worth on the 16th, the same day as the bowl game, which is it's unfortunate, but just it's the, it's the way it is. It's very unfortunate. Yeah, yeah because, really because hate it. kind of feel like that that game will affect folks that maybe that lived in Dallas or Fort Worth that would have gone to Shreveport and said, hey, we got an easy day trip here, or we do just a quick one night stay go to go watch the tech take on 
uh, Cal uh, there in uh, in Shreveport in the Independence Bowl, but may now look and go, eh, don't really need to do that. I'm going to just stay at home, go to Vanderbilt, and that's going to be a great, great game, great atmosphere, hopefully. Well, especially if you've already bought tickets for sure, the basketball sure. game. Sure. Uh, Dan in Dallas wrote in yeah, yesterday. He had a conundrum of which game to go to. My guess is he'll stick with the with the basketball, but I have no idea. I would go to the one that you want to go to more if you want to sell your Vanderbilt mm-hmm. tickets. I bet you can. You probably can. You probably can find somebody. Mm-hmm. So you've got Omaha Oral Roberts, then the neutral site game with Vanderbilt. You play UT Arlington at home right before Christmas. Come back and play Sam Houston on the twenty eighth, and then North Alabama before you start uh, Big Twelve play on January the sixth. So you still have. You know, handful of games plus one, so six games left uh, before a Big Twelve play starts. Just after the first of the year, when they go down to Texas to take on the Longhorns, first home game in Big Twelve play will be on January the ninth against Oklahoma State. You have back-to-back home games: the ninth and then the thirteenth against uh, Kansas State. A rare Saturday afternoon game, which I hate that because I I love those Saturday afternoon games, and we just seem to have fewer and fewer and fewer of those. As it's kind of the year goes on, or the years go on. Mm-hmm. But those those 3 o'clock tip times, or even the, the uh, I don't mind the 11 o'clock basketball game. I kind of like it, actually. Um, it's, for whatever reason, I, I'm fine with the 11 a.m. basketball game, but not with the football game. But that's just kind of how my crazy little mind works sometimes. You do you, right? That's it. Yeah, that, yeah everybody you has. You do you. It so it all you, depends on how it fits you, everybody's schedule. Do you have a, a better feeling at this point in time with basketball than you did at the start? I mean, you feel like you know a little bit more, feel like you have a, maybe have a little confidence there that maybe you, maybe you didn't have at the start of the season just because you didn't know? I wouldn't say that I'm over the top guaranteeing that they're an NCAA team at this point, but I would tell you I like how they play. Mm-hmm. I like that they play together. I, I've enjoyed watching them. So... Um, I feel better about about um, the team a little bit, but I'm still not in the boat of saying, "Oh, this team is sure, you know, definitely guaranteed postseason right. yeah. team." Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you're, I think you're onto something there. All right, Jamie's question of the day is next. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive podcast from Double T ninety seven three, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Time now for Jamie's question of the day on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T ninety seven three. I thought we were getting ready to hear by someone not named Jamie, but we're not. It's going to be Jamie. It is going to be Jamie. Okay. Okay, so my question for you today mm-hmm. is give me two players that you are the most excited about moving forward, so after this season, for Red Raider football. Okay. Most excited about Well, I'm going to go with my old standby. I, I, I still think that I still think he has a chance to really be really good for you, and that's Mason Tharp. If he can stay healthy. Okay. Okay. And um, maybe, you know, low-hanging fruit, because I think he's got um, I think he's got a lot of lot upside. I should pick a defensive player, but I'm going to pick Baron Morton, because I'm, uh, I'm really curious what a 100% healthy next year – I don't know if you can get 100% by the bowl game, but a very, very healthy Baron Morton can look like. 
mm-hmm. for you as a starting quarterback. Yeah, with an offseason as the starters, mm-hmm. reps, and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. I'll be honest. I'm a little afraid to answer this question. Because <laughs> I haven't seen any portal updates today. And I don't want to say someone who's already entered the portal. I think Baron Morton's a good answer, although I need to see some improvement next year. Um, so I don't know that it I, it's really fair for me to say Morton at this point. Um, Xavier White. Oh, okay. Might be one. Isn't he graduating? Is he graduated? I thought he had another year. I think he's graduating or running out of eligibility. Well, then, um, let's go. Dunlop's the super senior. Man. <laughs> it, well, it's tough because of, it's hard to pick somebody on offense. Uh-huh. For the struggles that you had that weren't uh-huh. Taj Brooks. I mean, and what I mean by Taj being, he was your steady Eddie on the offensive side. And you've had four of your five guys on the offensive line enter the portal. So those guys are out. Is that right? Four or five on I the O-line? I think four or five now. Um, or you've lost four guys on the offensive line. So th- that takes them out. Um, you want me to jump in while you think? Yeah, go ahead. I'll take Ben Roberts. I like that answer. named co-freshman defensive player of the year in the mm-hmm. conference. Um, terrific linebacker that I think is going to be really, really good. And I know his numbers are fantastic but mm-hmm. because he was partly injured uh, this year, but I'm going to take Coy Aiken. I feel like he's uh, he and Baron Morton are on the same page. I feel like uh, he was your most consistent receiver at the end of the year. Um and I think he's only going to get better. So uh, I think Aiken is your is your wide receiver that Morton is the most confident in. Mm-hmm. I, I think he showed some really good flashes, good possession receiver that can make a you know some bigger plays too. Not afraid to go over the middle, tough guy. I like I like his game a lot. So that's the guy on offense, young player. Those are both freshmen, by the way. So uh, that's good. Those guys are going to be around for a while, but I'm I'm really excited about both of those two. But Joseph a Daterate. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he fought the injury bug this year. But yeah. when he was healthy, he showed some flashes that were kind yeah of for fun. the last two years really yeah yeah. Uh, just so you know, Xavier White is a super it's senior. A super senior. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. And and a guy that does have eligibility, but I would be sh- I think I'd be shocked if he came back. Would be Tosh Brooks. He's got a COVID year. Taj, go to the NFL. Probably. For well, your sake. Because, I mean, let's face it. What what more does he have to prove? Because his next, his next big test is what what can he do at the, um, with the NFL, his NFL camp or, you know, anything that he's done, you know, timing-wise or, you know, just getting himself ready, you know. Is he going to get drafted? Is he going to be a... Um, I can't. I can't imagine that he would improve his stock if he stayed around a year. Yeah, no, I agree. That that's the biggest point to me. I can't imagine that he would improve it. Would he improve the Red Raiders? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So if he wants to stay, I'm here for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for him as a running back, go start your NFL clock. 
Yeah, and and whether that's in the NFL or a different different professional league of some sort, I'm not sure. Okay, but yeah, I, I don't think he has really would would raise his stock, and I think he's um, I think he's got a chance to make an NFL roster and, and do some good things. So I surely would not count him out. Seven thirty-seven this morning here on the morning drive. Um, somebody says this: Micah Hudson, whom we've not even seen yet, Koyakin and Ben Roberts, and any transfer portal people coming to Texas Tech? Oh, I'm certain there are. We, uh, they did get a transfer of a tight end yesterday from a junior college, but um, I'm sure that you'll get you'll have some players that maybe previously had been recruited by by Tech or some of these coaches when they were either here or at Baylor or elsewhere um, that they have a relationship with. It's funny, I was listening to two pros and a, and a cup of Joe this morning, and LeVar Arrington was talking about that, and he was saying, with with regard to kids in the portal, um, of people that he has taught to and, and players that he has taught to, um, for the most part, these kids that are going to other places, they go into the portal, and when they come out, they generally have had a relationship uh, with one of the coaches from one of these teams because they were recruited by him they, mm-hmm. and and they know him. So mm-hmm. it's like, and part of his point was the kids going into the portal, uh, you know, a lot of kids are sitting at home and they've given up their scholarship. They've given up their education. They've given up, you know, what they had in, in hopes of going and, and bettering their lie. And you can't always do that. You can't always better your lie. But for the most part, these kids that are being recruited by other schools, obviously there's a talent level, but there's a relationship level too of what that coach knows, that position coach knows of what that potential could be out of that player if they got coached up right or if they were in the right situation. Sure. So, um, yeah, a lot, I, of, I lot of times there's a lot of times there's a relationship because it never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well there's there's probably that too right there's there's probably there's probably there's probably that too some might call that tampering some might call that tampering some might call that hey i'm just returning a call that i got mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the only reason taj would stay is if someone ponied up a ton of money and made financial sense for that young man to stay if not chase that dream and try to get on an nfl roster yeah and i, I don't know that it would take a ton of money because he's, there's no guarantee for him in the NFL that he's going to make a um, a team or a practice squad. The practice squad players, it's like five grand a week, which is good money, obviously. But you've got to get on that practice squad too and be able to be able to stay on it. But I think the conventional wisdom would be he's going to go to the NFL. Now the question is, is he going to play in the bowl game? That's another question for you. So this is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Ah, the sounds of Christmas. Love it. I'm uh, trying to get in the Christmas spirit. Good morning with Jamie Lynn and Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. Got a kind of a candy cane cut tie on today. Okay. That's good. Got a Christmas mm-hmm. tie on today that doesn't, doesn't say Christmas on it. It just looks like Christmas. And then I've got Santa socks on today. Santa socks. Santa socks. Horse name. Santa socks today. Uh, so okay, I, here's a uh, here's a probably a terrible take. Okay. One of the most overrated things in the history of ever is what candy canes. Really, I love a good candy cane, especially the little mini ones. That kind of just kind of give you a little. Uh, I, I mean, kick. you're constant. Your hands are sticky. Oh, the side right. of your mouth is sticky. The right. flavor is not right. great. They break all the time. 
I mean, the the wrapper is even like a pain in the backside no, to get that's off. That's why you got to go the the mini ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mini ones, so you can just put even the whole then. thing in your mouth. You can put the whole thing in your mouth. Just <laughs> suck on it. The little okay, mini ones. I've never tried the whole candy yeah, gate the whole, in my mouth. The, trick. The, the little mini ones. The little, the little how ones. many are we talking? Oh, That's talking, still like that long. Oh no, no, it's it's about, it's about the size of a pretzel, or maybe a little bit bigger. Yeah, the little mini ones. I need you to show me okay. one the size of a little pretzel. Okay, I'll, I'm sure the lucky lady's got some. Yeah, she's, she's, that's that's what I'm thinking. That's still long. You could break that half, maybe. People people have told me that I've got a big mouth, so there you go. <laughs> people, somebody on the chat line asked if I'm eating it like a five-year-old. <laughs> I just, uh, maybe so, maybe so, Kobe. I... Uh, I don't know. I think they're overrated. I don't think the uh, the flavor is really even anything. Mm. Okay. So is that kind of your you're kind of hating on the candy cane like some hate, hate on candy corn? I don't hate it. You don't hate it. Okay. I don't hate it. Okay. This is not my thing. What's your thing? Um, okay. And um, it seems like people love them. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's one of those. It's I, one of those December things. I do hate candy corn. Uh, with regard to uh, Marvin Harrison Sr., and this person says, I had heard about Harrison. I re- just read more upon it. I did, too. It's pretty clear he was involved in a shooting, which a man for, would survive. But then later that year, half a block from his bar, that man was gunned down and died. Um, and there's some thought that it was his cousin that was involved or his gun. I mean, it's just, it's a it's a long, sordid mess. So you have to kind of look at his son and go, his son, his, you know, I'm not. I don't know if his son's a model citizen, but just the the mere fact that his son has put himself in a position where he could potentially win a Heisman Trophy is pretty impressive. When you kind of have a little bit of a turbulent home life or father, I mean, sometimes you have you can overcome others. Yeah, but I mean, he still grew up bloated. Yeah, I mean, Marvin Harrison was an NBA or excuse me, NFL superstar. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, he sure had the best of everything. Sure. sure. You're yeah. right. No, you're right. I mean, but still, though, you have to have the capacity to overcome some of the distractions of sure, of things sure. like that. You know, that yeah. Sometimes I don't know. If, Even the rich kids get mixed up. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. And I don't. I don't look. <clears throat> look, we were, we were extremely middle to very very middle class. I mean, when I say very, we were very middle class to the point where if you went to McDonald's, I mean, it was like once or twice a year. That was a big damn deal. So, and and I know that you, you did as well. So, I mean, and I've. I didn't know what it was like to be among the haves. We were kind of just in the middle of the haves and the have-nots. <laughs> we were the we were just the Heinzes. <laughs> Who are you guys? We're just uh, we're just the Heinzes. We but we we kind of were. Uh, we had we had our own challenges, right? Everybody does. Eight oh six this morning here on the morning drive. Okay, so an observation from last night. I was uh, here in the compound working. Uh, while the high school fan zone was on in uh, leaving, uh, listening to Garrett Luft on 100.7 The Score. And he had the Estacado uh, wrestling coach on. And he was talking about one of his wrestlers, whose name is A.J. Ramos. And I texted Garrett and I go, is that like A.J. Ramos's son or something? And I don't know if he's, I don't know if A.J.'s old enough to have a son in high school. Maybe, I don't know. Um, and he he didn't know. Um, the coach didn't was going to check that out, so maybe he's just a cousin or you know something along those lines, or just could be a coinkydink, same name. But Estacado, AJ Ramos, kind of makes you wonder. Hey, was it the guy that played baseball at 
there in a tag. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I found interesting, and this is kind of the observation that I'm that I made from last night, and listening to the Estacado wrestling coach. I always had great respect for the wrestlers in my high school because I feel like that's a just a a sport where you, I mean, one, it's 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 man on man, right? And the the physical nature of it and the preparation that goes with that is just it's unspeakable. I mean, just in terms of what they what they do, and, and a, a lot of sports you could say, well, the conditioning and everything, but it just seems like wrestling is one of those ones that just you've got to be a pretty well conditioned person to be able to to wrestle and be successful. Um, but I was talk, he was talking about he asked Garrett asked him about cutting weight, and apparently they've changed the the weight cutting deal because it used to be you know like the wrestlers would weigh in and then they'd have to cut two or three pounds by the time that they got to their matches. So that three pounds? Well, a couple. I mean, you see, I just remember. Like, oh, I've a, been through that. It, it was more like ounces. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a couple pounds is maybe that's maybe that's yeah. That's probably overstating it, but that's what you expect. I've been through all that. But I just remember the wrestlers in in our high school doing laps around the pool while we were swimming, going through swim practice, and seeing those guys in their sweatsuits. And maybe you were one of those guys, Jamie, that had to do that. But apparently now the way that they do it is you weigh in that Saturday morning or weigh in the day of your deal. You have a weight at the at the beginning of the season, and you weigh in the day of, and then you're wrestling within an hour. So the, the days of weight cutting day of are over, mm-hmm. which is probably healthier for, the, for the, the, the kids that are involved in that. Yeah, we, we would – you know, you show up on a Saturday morning or whatever to for a tournament, and you would have to weigh in pretty early. And if you didn't make weight, <clears throat> they would say, "Nope, you're you're three ounces, you're four ounces over, whatever." Um, if you're going to be in this weight class, if not, you're going to be in a higher weight class that might be five pounds heavier. <clears throat> and so. Um, you would get the sweatsuit on, and then mm-hmm. there was also this um, basically looked like a sweatsuit made out of a garbage bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, and you would run, and then you would run, 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 run. Then you would come back and you'd uh, strip down to almost nothing and uh, get up there, and they'd let you weigh again, mm-hmm. see if you lost weight. And by that time, I feel like you would, you made yourself exhausted. Sure. You were doomed to have a terrible day on the mat. But, oh well. Unfortunately, experienced that plenty of times. Yeah, no, it's a. I, I had great respect for the wrestlers, uh, just all that they all that they did. This has been the Morning Drive podcast presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T ninety seven three podcasts at double T ninety seven three dot com.